We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a do a mailbag episode, but every question was just, can you please stop talking about Arsenal? This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. We are going to do a mailbag episode, but there were a lot of, please, can you tell me something to focus on other than Arsenal? And I I totally understand why you would say that and where you're coming from, but allow me to say uh, that we just love you so much for being here this year with us. Um, and, and it's not been the easiest one, but I think it's worth remembering that uh, this is a year where we did uh, get through a pandemic together and raise the FA Cup having beaten Manchester City and Chelsea in the semifinal and final. And that is uh, very much worth remembering right now during these dark days. Maybe not the uh, lofty heights that this club wants to eventually ascend to someday, but you know what? Important to remember the good times when you're going through the bad times. And uh, one of the good things about this year has just been interacting with all of you and, and sharing the problems and the joys of Arsenal together. So wherever you are and whether you celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or whatever festive uh, period is going on in your region or if no festive period is going on in your region, uh, whatever the case may be, I just wish you the best. And I, I hope you are doing well, your friends are doing well, your family is doing well, and that you are making the best of difficult times. Um, and with that having been said, let me introduce uh, my podcast family. Paul, you can find him on Twitter, Positive Pants. Hello, Paul. Woohoo! Clive, you can find him on Twitter, Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. And Tim, you can find him on Twitter, Hello, Tim. Hello there. Hello there, indeed. 
Um, yeah, lots of questions, and uh, most of them gallows humor, if I'm being honest. I do want to read one from Sachin Nakrani, though, at, at Sachin Nakrani, who says, if Mikel Arteta is sacked as Arsenal manager and or relegates the club, will you get rid of the, it's Arteta, what a strike, what a screamer, bit in the podcast intro music? I don't know why when I do English accents, it sounds like <laughs> like a... a Cartoon. Monty Python. Yeah, money. It's it's all. It's it's the Monty Python woman in. Uh, is it is it Holy Grail where she's like, uh, watery bins, lobbing scimitars, not a foundation for government. <laughs> the, <laughs> that one. We're an autonomous collective. Um, but yeah, uh, that's a good point. Do we redact Arteta uh, from the intro? The truth is, I don't know that we any of us have the energy or the audio editing skills to change the intro. So we would need to uh, find someone to do that. And if you would like Arteta redacted from the intro, if he does get us relegated or uh, sacked in disgrace, get in touch and we can certainly find out about that. Before we launch into the questions, in fact, you know what? We can launch into the questions um, in a way that I think is sort of humorous and leads us to a topic of the day. So Andrew Brook at Andy Brook, uh, A-N-D-E-B-R-O-O-K, and Brook, and and. And Ebrook uh, <laughs> says, how do you pronounce T-U-C-H-E-L? Is it Tuchel or Tuchel? Uh, we actually have a response to that saying it's Tuchel. And then a response to that saying, which is what he needs to do to this club. <laughs> Very <laughs> clever. So I will use that. Regardless of how you pronounce it, Tim, is that, mm. should, should the club's gaze be turning to the... Uh, Sacked manager of PSG because God knows we have run that game plan before and it worked to perfection. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it um, made some ears and eyes prick up a bit. I'm not sure if eyes can prick up, mm. um, but I'm, we're going to go with it. Um, I mean, yeah. Wait, I, I got to stop you. Since you mentioned prick up, I think it's time to tell you about Manscaped. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> Paint. No, just Tim. Keep just. I apologize. Just press on. Press well, on. Well, well, Tuchel is tainted, isn't he? Really, by um by his association with PSG. Yes. But but I mean, there are like someone listed some of the kind of the available managers that that you know a club like Arsenal could realistically get, like Tuchel, Lucien Favre, um, who I know wasn't amazing at Dortmund, but wasn't totally rubbish um, either. Um, I believe that's pronounced Favre. Fahavar, Fahavar Christmas. Fahavar. Um, and, and there's also like Ralf Ranjik. There's even Maurizio Sarri, you know, um, who if we're, uh, who, who, who I think could be like quite an interesting option, actually, because if we're, you know, a little bit nonplussed about the total failure of Arsenal to implement a footballing identity, that's what you're going to fucking well get with Maurizio Sarri, whether you want it or not. Mm. Um, you know, that that's an ideologue. And if you wanted to make the argument, I, I haven't really thought it out fully, but if you wanted to make the argument that Arsenal should go for an ideologue and someone who, um, you know, it's it's kind of easy to recruit for Sarri because you know exactly what he wants. Um so you know that that I I think that's maybe like an interesting under discussed option. I don't seriously think it will change anything, um, to be honest. But if we lose the next couple of games and it just comes to the point where Arsenal at, absolutely have to pull the trigger, um, and then they wait another six games after that, <laughs> like they did with Emery, then then you know you, you'd have to say that that he would be pretty high up on the list of people that they would, uh, you know, at least interview um, and sound out. And, and you know, I, I was 
the other thing I, I frantically Googled this morning was because obviously Tuchel's managed to Bamiang, right? And um, I, I was trying to get a sense of if they got on or if they didn't get on. I mm. know Tuchel didn't get on with Sven Mislintat, which is one of the reasons Arsenal didn't look at him when they hired Unai Emery. But mm. obviously that obstacle no longer exists. So, I mean, essentially, yes, it, sh- it should make any club who is of you know of a reasonable size in Europe who is perhaps on the cusp with their manager it should make them think oh okay um there, there's potentially another option here and it could expedite a decision I I'm not certain it will um but I I think Arsenal would be stupid if it wasn't if they weren't bookmarking it mentally mm. I mean the the issue I have with Tuchel <laughs> um is just basically that because he's a guy I always I always really liked and rated, but I mean he's known as a hothead. He is a guy who gets into it with his players a bit. He's one of those sort of extremely demanding ideologue type managers who I could see even if he's a much better coach than Arteta. I think in terms of the experience for players, I don't know if it would be enough of a relief or a change. You know what I mean? Um, that I think when it's not working. You need to bring in someone who's different, not just in ability, but in style from what's not working. Because if the style feels the same, the players will just be like, here we go again, even if that guy's better. And I mean, look, saying that Tuchel is like Arteta is ridiculous. I mean, Tuchel is a much more experienced, much more accomplished coach than Arteta. But I, I just from the reporting of the, the way he goes to war with some of his players and his, his sort of obstinate way of doing things, I wonder if that would just be too similar. Um, I also think he's a guy who does like pressing. He does like, you know, aggressive front-footed running. I don't know if we have the legs to play a Tuchel system. So in general, I'm not sure it's a fit. I mean, Clive Akil on the Discord says, if Arteta was to go, would you take Rafa Benitez till the end of the season at least? Hoping that gives us time to sort out things behind the scenes. I think in the Benitez-Tuchel scenario, you have the, the perfect conundrum for the club. Because in a way, Tuchel is the, the kind of coach slash manager you might want for a three, four, five-year project who has a ceiling, has has a pedigree, has a style that is, you know, a modern style of football that we know can be successful if it's done effectively. Rafa Benitez, on the other hand, is like a nullification style coach, sort of similar to Unai Emery in some ways, extremely tactical. Um, He'd keep you up, but he's not a longer term fix. So, I mean, do you have a thought as between, you know, um, going for someone like a Tuchel who would be ideally a long term solution to improving situation or would you rather go with a short-term, keep us up, get through this season, figure it out in the summer type guy like a Rafa Benitez if we were to have to make a decision on Arteta in the near future? Yeah, I think if things go wrong in the next two weeks and Arteta goes, because I think that's what we're heading towards, if that, if we lose the Brighton West Brom games, etc., then we've got to do something. Right? The players have won. Right? So, um, so I would go for Benitez type. I'll create some breathing room. Could I go with somebody that's not going to just going to take it game by game to get us into a place where we can start the project for real? Because the next part of the project is in the summer. Maybe some of that will happen in January, but it's in the summer to rip the squad to bits. And whether you want Rafa Benitez to do that or be part of that, well, not really, right? So then you give yourself some breathing space to get the next project guy that's going to bring in. For me, it's not just players, but. Hey, this is how I want to play, and these are the type of players that can play that way. That's what we need next. And so the thing about Arteta is we don't really know how he wants to play. We've got this theory in our minds, 
but we know that potentially can't do it with the specifics of these players, which I think we'd all agree with, right? So we'd all assume he wants to play a 4-3-3, blah, blah, blah. We're not sure if he's going to have eights that are creative or eights that are defensive to allow fullbacks to peel around. So between the City and the Liverpool models, we're not quite sure yet. Um, but yeah, we just don't know. And we certainly haven't seen it fully. And we certainly have got no confidence we're going to see an offensive style because we've only seen a bit more of a structured style. And so that's where the dilemma comes in. So on coaching, coaches are as good as their last game. I, I really mean that. You can get out coached game by game. Someone can do you. Oli Gunnar goal is pretty good right now. Looked like a clown a little while ago. Got some good players. Suddenly he's turning up home and away, winning games. Could even win a league. Anyone think he's a good coach? Mm. Yeah. It's all about what you've got, the tools that you've got. He's got some unbelievably talented and expensive footballers that spent more than anybody else. They've got some idiots in there, just like we have, but they've got more talent. And talent makes looks like a good coach. Trust me, I've done it myself. I've coached in semi-finals and sitting there losing the game. One of our star players got the ball, went for the whole team and smashed it top corner. Everyone goes, what a great coach you are, Clive. Oh, we know what that player helped me a fair bit. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it happens when you're struggling, you need someone to dig you out of a hole. You know, and um, and so, yeah, I think when people say, oh, we say about two calls, like he's a complete, well, he's a complete until you meet someone betting him on a certain day. It's as simple as that. And he has issues with man management. That's why he didn't stay places very long. Uh, I think we've got a real decision. We know about decisions we've got to make going forward. But I am not against a Rafa. I liked a Conte. If you said to me after Wenger had gone, my two choices would have been Conte or Rafa. That would have been my two choices. I wanted a couple of belligerent men <laughs> to come in and really sort this lot out. So, so because Paul would have been on your list heading. then, presumably. <laughs> Bel- Sorry, belli- belligerent Sorry. men, Paul, Paul, pausing in my pants. Belligerent men, no, <laughs> no it wasn't yeah. on your list. <laughs> I, wanted, I, I wanted some because Wenger was a was such a a, a nice guy. I wanted somebody to zigzag the other way. I wanted somebody to come in to say to the club, I'm not taking this crap. I want my money. Give me my money so I can buy people. You know, because I felt Wenger was part of the board and he bought into it, you know, and he gave money to his mates. And I think, no, I wanted someone to come in and really shake the club. So if we lose Arteta now because we've just completely bombed, then Benitez is a great option, in my opinion, for the next six months. But then we should maybe have a discussion about the coach after that, who we'd like, and that would be an interesting discussion. Mm. Well, then, Paul, I think this this is the last question I'll ask about other coaches, non-Arteta coaches, but I think it's really the critical question at the center of everything we do right now from Blavich at Blavich. Um, is there an attainable coaching hire, Tuchel, Hassan Huddle, etc.? Cetera, et cetera. I think he's... I think the point of saying an attainable coaching hire, he means sort of like a, apart from like a clop, right? Someone who may be so good that that they on their own transform the whole club. But like, is there an attainable coaching hire that would make you optimistic about the club improving? Emphasis on coaching here. Not a silver bullet that reorganizes the club. Just a head coach who influences rather than controls recruitment. In other words, I want to restate this, even though his question stated better than what I'll probably restate it to, is, is there any coach that can fix, attainable coach that can fix this if the only thing we change is just the coach, just a guy who comes in and coaches the players. Do you think there is a coach where you'd be like, now I'm optimistic, absent other changes in the way the club is run and organized? Mm. 
Um, so I think we'd struggle with Tuchel or Tuchel, depending on what part of Germany you're from, Tuchel. Because um, like he has to fit, it, fit into the club as we are today, psychologically. And I think there's a, there's a type of coach who's going to struggle if they come in for various reasons. And psychology-wise, I just think that would be a very hard fit for the players, but also for the club and for our ownership. And so I'm going to live maybe in the, in, at least psychologically within the possibilities of what I think could work with the crankies and below. They've always gone for the easy options, we should remember, in terms of uh, who they went with. Uh, they stuck with Wenger for a long time because it was comfortable for them. And they've their appointees were very much what was comfortable, who was there, who fit in. Even Arteta was like, hey, how about that guy who came second last time? How about we put him first time? And he's a nice guy. And, well, uh, it might be a little bit more challenging than he seemed at the time, but seemed like a nice guy, seemed like he'd fit in. Um you know, I actually think if you could pick anybody you could come in and just fit in and do something for us, I think Conte would be a really good mix of a, a great coach who can pull, who's adaptable to pull a system together, is can work within a club and his constraints. I mean, yeah, he fell out with Abramovich, but had Abramovich not been Abramovich, uh, that, that would have worked, I think, for a longer time. Um, and would find a solution within the players he has and then adding a couple of players. But I don't think he's remotely gettable at the moment. I think to answer Blavich, I think uh, Rangnick is for... We often think about him as the kind of perfect uh, director of football slash manager coach, starts as a manager coach and then maybe goes into that area. Um, but the fact that he can, e even if we just got him as a coach, kept him as a coach, uh, his understanding of how a football club should work from a coach's perspective would do us a powerful good. And his ability to evangelize a message uh, it, um, as, a, as a kind of a something that gets buy-in within and around a club and within and around a team um that would be something very interesting to see. So kind of if you came came with me from the who could do it all, Rangnick, because the person coming in won't get to do it all, but will uh, needs to have an understanding of how the other departments within the club could work preferably. I think he'd be a really nice fit. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't think there's a coach in world football, Klopp and Pep included, that fix what's wrong at Arsenal, period. No. I, I, I think... We need a, a new coach, not because they will fix this, but because what is going on with Arteta right now is so dire and so desperate a situation that we can't run the risk of it getting worse. I think that the problem is that what Arteta is doing is destroying so much of the asset value at the club and destroying so much of the potential of the club that if we stick with him, when we finally straighten things out organizationally, if we ever do, Arteta will have cratered the value at the club. And now that's very harsh, but that's what I believe. And we'll have some questions coming up that will trend in this direction. Um, I think, I, I don't, I mean, look at the clubs that have succeeded in England. Klopp didn't do this on his own. 
Klopp did this with an incredibly bright, incredibly astute group of analytically, analytics-minded, value-oriented uh, executives and directors above him who helped guide the project. I mean, Klopp is great, fine, but he didn't do it on his own. And he had the similar setup at Dortmund, so it was a natural kind of follow-up. Um, look at Chelsea. Chelsea have been good for one reason. They spent a lot of money. Didn't matter what coach they had. They've never failed because of the coach. They failed once because they downed tools against Jose, and they failed a second time when the tap was sort of turned off for a bit there by Abramovich. Look at City. As good as Pep is, they won title. They've done better under other managers. It's just about spending. So City and Chelsea, it's just been spending. Liverpool, it's been about the structure. Manchester United are the great other example. They spend a mountain of money. But like us, their structure's a disaster, and Woodward's a moron, and it doesn't matter what coach they have. Now, granted, they've had a lot of mediocre coaches, kind of like we have since Arson, but they are failing because the people above the coach are incompetent. And so I really believe that in modern football, the coach is worth a couple of points either way, unless you down tools. Like if a coach, if the player's down tools or a coach is a disaster, they can create a club. Kind of like Jose's last year at Chelsea. And if the coach is brilliant, you can get a little more out of them. But ultimately, it is the talent recruitment and that setup and that structure at the club that determines whether you thrive or not. We've all seen managers we thought were geniuses fail. And we've seen managers that we thought weren't very good do fine. So I I, I think the structure is everything. Uh, Clyde, before we move on to Tim with the next question about William Saliba, uh, which is another hot topic, do you want to come back on the coaching issue? <laughs> Just one minute. I can't let you run rough shot over us. I, I am prepared I think, uh... to hear all the ways I am wrong. It is It is always one of my favorite segments of the podcast. No, I sent out a note earlier saying, Tuchel, what do, you th- what do you guys think? And someone came back to me and said, Clive, there's no point in changing the steering wheel if you don't change the engine. Yeah, well said. And I thought that was really astute. What we need is expertise. That's what I feel. I feel as though we lack expertise. And that's based on the 20, 30 bad decisions we've made over the last three years. <laughs> right? And, uh, and that's it on all aspects of the club. So I feel we need expertise. And what that looks like and what those roles look like, what that structure looks like, is up for debate. But I cannot sit here and say that we have all of the expertise to allow us to make good decisions on all aspects of the game, the club, where it's going, its identity, the people, the board, the infrastructure, the training ground, everything. Everything. And I sent out a video this week of Leicester's new £100 million training ground. And they're about to extend their stadium to 55,000. We're asleep. We need expertise of people that really, really care because Leicester have relegated us from the top six. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Because they're better run. That, I mean, a better run organization. And that's the issue. So I say to you again, we focus on the coach, but there's a lot more than this. There's a lot more to this, sorry. I just want to make sure I get that point of view across. Yeah, I, I, look, I, I want to say this as clearly as I can. The One of the things I think as fans we need to do is wake up to the fact that the most important thing in all of football is talent. That's the most important thing. Not effort, not culture, not mentality, not coaching. Talent. Talent wins more than anything else. Now, there are some examples where that's not the case, but mostly that's the case. Okay, I mean, you look at Barcelona... Their talent has deteriorated. That's why they're worse. All right, you, you look at at us, 
Look at the Invincibles. The Invincibles weren't better coached. The Invincibles were 11 of the best players to ever grace the Premier League. Project Youth, that whole period, they were coached okay. They were really talented. Cesc Fabregas was really talented. Robin Van Persie was really talented. Alexis Nozel, really talented. The talent has deteriorated. Elneny, Ceballos, Shaka, they're not talented. Willian, not talented. Look at the people we are playing. They're just not very good. That's why we're bad. Not because Unai's bad, not because Arteta's bad. Is Arteta making it worse? In my, in my opinion, yes. This team can be better than 15th. I, I do believe that. But not much, because it doesn't have a lot of talent. It's just not a good team. You look at some of the players, at some of the other teams, and they have better talent. Better talent. Players we'd rather have than the ones we have. So, until we get people in who know how to recruit better talent, more effectively, more economically, sell on the assets that we need to move, and bring in the better talent, we're going nowhere with any coach. But... We need to stay up. And so I do think I would I would opt for someone more like a Rafa who I know would keep us up and then in the summer tear the whole structure apart and bring in a guy who can be part of that vision. Because for me, the goal is to have a team full of, of football people at the top who have a vision of how the team should play and then bring in a coach who agrees with that vision and then recruit around that. Anyway, Tim, let's get on to another cheery topic. William Saliba. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michael De Siena at Siena Michael says, because of his age and reputation as one of the best young center backs in Europe and potentially a key piece in our rebuild, is the way Mikel has dealt with William Saliba a sackable offense on its own? There's a lot of presumption in that question. I'm sort of letting you take it as a free swim, but in my view, the Saliba situation is a bigger worry for me in terms of sacking Mikel Arteta than the way we're playing football. Because a fairly talentless team is playing fairly drab football, but the way we're destroying asset value and the way we're treating players has longer-term ramifications. So is the Saliba a sackable offense, and, and what's your general take on what's going on with Saliba mm. um, altogether? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, on its own, no. Um, I don't think so. I don't think we know quite enough to say that. What, what I will say is it's just one of a number of red flags, isn't it? It's just... Um, and they're all building up. And I was thinking, you know, I was listening to you guys on the Instant Reaction pod earlier today, and I was just thinking these red flags are building up, and it's reminding me of Emery in terms of, um, look, I, I I, mean, I say I got there quicker with Emery than I did with Arteta because I didn't really want Emery and I wanted Arteta. But to be honest, it like I gave Emery a year, right, even though I was a bit like, mm, I don't think this is the right guy, but I'll give him a season because I think that's fair. And that's the point we're at with Arteta. So um, I, I have, in a roundabout way, given them the same amount of time. But but with Emery, like I kind of kept my counsel. And then in Baku, um, I left the stadium early, went to a pub, wrote a big Twitter thread saying, not feeling it. I think this guy should go. Just not the right fit. And um uh, but but I still didn't I didn't think we would sack him and I still didn't think we'd get as bad as we got. I thought things would stay roughly the same and maybe we'd finish like six or something like that. I didn't think we'd tank as we did. Um, and of course, where we are now, what happened a year ago doesn't feel like so much of a tanking because we're tanking even more. But it was at the beginning of last season. I was a bit like, okay, I wanted Emery to go, but I I don't necessarily expect everyone to agree with that. And I I understand why Arsenal Football Club don't necessarily agree with that. But, you know, when stuff started happening, like, oh my fucking God, he literally, he's not even capable of choosing a captain. Mm. Like something literally administrative, right? Admit like, 
it doesn't matter who the captain is, right? <laughs> but it, it, re- it really, really doesn't. He made it an enormous issue, an enormous powder keg, you know, hung like a really, a player I haven't got an awful lot of time for, but he did hang Xhaka out to dry in a big way. And and I was just like, oh my, this is so bad. Like he can't even do the most basic thing. Like this is this is the sort of stuff that you look at and you think, oh my God, this guy just has to go as soon as possible. Like he is totally floundering. That's what I feel about the Saliba situation as well. And, you know, I, I heard everything you guys said about Mustafi and Kalasanach in the Man City game, um, you know, and I, I felt exactly the same. By the way, when you look at that Mares free kick again, obviously, <laughs> rightly, lo- lots of attention on Runison, um, you know, doing his lettuce hands thing and letting it in. Look at Kalasanach in the wall. Like, the man is a fucking tank, and I think he gets shrugged aside by Phil Foden in the wall, and he just watches it go in. and And you just think... Like non-negotiables, my absolute ass, my ass non-negotiables. Like Kalasanac is. We, we all saw that video with Urso, all right. Kalasanac is not a man you shrug aside easily unless he wants to be shrugged aside. And it's like you're letting all these walkers and these wasters and these backward passers into the team all the time, and then you're ostracising. And and Elliot, everything you said about El Nenny safe conservative backward passer good boy does what he's told and those are the people we're rewarding now i kind of i think Ozil and Genduzi are probably quite difficult to manage um and therefore like i, I don't really have a strong opinion because i don't really know what's how i've heard things about Ozil, but i don't really know any facts so I, i've kind of just taken them at face value why the fuck he's decided to ostracize a 19 year old as well like and and all of the kind of phrases about him not being ready, which actually aren't really coming from the club anyway. The club aren't saying anything, which leaves you open to interpretation. Like if, if Arteta just said, you know what, we really believe in this boy. We think he's going to be brilliant. He's just not there yet. We just want to give him, you know, we just want him to train with... Um, you know, heavyweights like Mustafi um, for a few months. You know, we, we just want him to, we just want to get him into the culture of the club and get, but he's got a big future here. There's none of that. That tells you something's going on and and why they've decided to make an enemy of, of this boy. I, I, I just don't know. And I said it a couple of weeks ago on one of these podcasts. How much do you think William Saliba regrets choosing Arsenal? Like looking at all the clubs that were interested in him, he chose Arsenal. How much do you think he regrets that right now? How much do you think he thinks, fuck it, like these guys don't know what they're doing? Like I went back on loan for a year. They didn't have a plan for me. They stopped me playing in a cup final. They decided they didn't want me. They couldn't get their shit together to loan me out like because they don't have enough staff to take care of like a loan contract. They didn't put me in the Europa League squad. They're playing guys who are in the departure lounge ahead of me who are walkers and backwards passers and guys who can't be bothered and are just waiting for their Bosman transfers. What must he be thinking at the moment? And like... I'm sorry, however ready or otherwise you think he is, he is ready for Dundalk, okay? He's ready for Mulder, he's ready for Dundalk. Like, there is no way he is not ready for that. So something else is happening. And and it's just, it's again, like, even if I get that Arteta didn't sign him, right? And even if Arteta, you know, doesn't like the look of him or whatever, play him in the fucking Europa League and sell him next year. <laughs> like, because he's losing value, like, 
we're not you know we're not going to get that 27 million back doing this if he has a couple of blinders against Mulder and Dundalk then then maybe we will and even if like he drops a bollock against Man City like a 19 year old gets a lot of forgiveness for doing that right if he mm. falls on his ass or whatever a 19 year old gets forgiven by that by the fan base by everyone they just go okay that happens to 19 year olds like you know but what must he be thinking watching some of those guys and just thinking god that like they don't they don't even think i'm i'm this good and you know um yeah i i think it's incredibly worrying and i think it's one of those things i was thinking about it when you guys were talking about the instant reaction pod on the instant reaction pod right and i was like if we get a new manager tomorrow you know some of those things that Arteta just fixed straight away, like fix the relationship with Xhaka straight away, fix the defensive structure, you know, took the quick wins. Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to do any more than that. What would be one of the first fucking quick wins a new coach would do if he came in tomorrow? Reinstate Saliba, right? Mm. He'd, he'd at least make him not feel like a fucking total fool. He'd be like, okay, I've got some shit centre-backs. A lot of them are going in the summer. I've got something here. And I haven't got a lot of money like that. Like this isn't Manchester City, right? We can't just torch Claudio, Claudio Bravo and Mangala and players like that and just buy someone ahead of them. Like you've got to try and make this work. And I think like a new coach comes in tomorrow. It'll be one of the first things that, you know, meet with all the players, meet with Saliba. What the fuck was going on there? Like what what was happening there? Oh, my God. They treated you awfully. Listen, forget about that. You're back in. You know, we'll we'll bleed we'll we'll treat you properly. We'll bleed you in slowly. We might send you on loan, but we'll develop you. We'll look after you. And it's just going to be one of those things. A new manager will come in and go, "What was going on here? What what bunch of fucking clowns were dealing with this before I got here?" Mm. <clears throat> I mean, I, I I cannot say this any more clearly. Shame on Arsenal. Absolutely shame on Arsenal. The way this has been handled. And I usually don't care. They're professionals. They make big money. You know, they play a kid's game for a living and make a lot of money. And it's it's a cutthroat business. Shame on Arsenal. There is no defending what we've done here. If your argument is, mate, they've watched him play and he's just not good enough. Absolute bullshit. If your argument is, oh no, didn't you see the report? If we give him a, a start, if we, if we give him a debut, we have to add five million to the fee. Absolute bullshit. That is briefing from the club to try to rescue the PR of a situation that has been torched to the ground. That is the club trying to have some argument, some fingernail of a foothold, of a, of a, of a rocky bit to hold on to, to, to stop falling off this cliff of PR, to say that they have a reason for doing this. They have no reason for doing this. The reason is simple. Arteta doesn't rate him. Not as by, doesn't like him, won't use him. That's it. That's my read on it. But whatever the read, shame on us. Talented player, highly regarded, can't be worse than what we've used. If Runnerson can start a game for Arsenal, Saliba can start a game for Arsenal. That It's that simple. And with the absolute garbage we've kept at this club, that we can't use this guy is nonsense. When a club spends this much money on a young player and takes a year developing him before bringing him in, that player matters more than the coach. The money you spend on players is the club's lifeline, not the coach. The coach has to be told to use these players, told to make it work with Ganduzi, told to make it work with Ozil, told to make it work with Saliba, told to make it work because that's your future, not the coach. The coach, if he's successful, is here three seasons, four seasons. 
There's no more 22-year season coaches. Coaches come and go. If you let them destroy the value of your assets, there's nothing there when they leave. If we sack Arteta tomorrow, the damage he's done carries forward. So you don't Can let I, the coach um, do this, please. Yeah, I, I just wanted to add to that, just to, I guess to add to my point about like a new manager would come in and go, what on earth has gone on here? Like, I, um, I, I'm um, I, going to do that uh, on-brand thing and, and cross over to uh, like an Arsenal mm-hmm. women example. But I, I, I interviewed um, Katie McCabe recently, um, Arsenal women player, and she, she came to Arsenal quite young, wasn't really getting in the team, went out on loan. She came back from loan and, and as soon as she came back, the manager changed to the current manager and she still thought she was leaving because she just felt like she hadn't been treated that well. And, uh, you know, Joe Montemoro, the current coach, came in and he was like, right, you've been out on loan. Um, why? Like, he's, he's like, I've watched you train for the last couple of weeks. You're really good. Why, why were you on loan? And so she explained it and he was just like, hmm, this, this is really weird. And two weeks later, gave her a new contract. And from there, she's just gone you know, just absolutely like gone on to bigger and better things. And is now like has over a hundred appearances nailed on starter. And all she needed was someone to say to her, you're, you're really good. I want like, I want you here. I don't want you on loan. And, and just like the difference that made. And that was like three and that was three years ago. And she's still flying off of that. Like, it's not that hard. Sometimes it's not that hard. No, and, my and favorite, she's look, my favorite women's player. Can I say something? Yeah, well, uh, Paul had, Paul had asked as well. So why don't you both? Uh, well, let, Paul asked first. Is it okay? Can we can we do it like who had their hand raised first? Paul, real quick. <laughs> yeah. So uh, actually, it dovetails, I think, smoothly with Tim's later point, which under which cut the legs out from mine. But Beautiful. like, <laughs> uh, should he be fired for the Saliba thing? Uh, I kind of maybe come at it from a different angle, which is he has unfortunately for him created the business case for why, uh, like normally there's resistance to getting rid of a manager because it's so expensive to get him out the door and his team. And there's a turnover. It then requires a turnover of the squad, but he's really creating a financial case for why getting in a new manager with a, a, a second opinion uh, and a second course of treatment when the prognosis has is now so ugly uh, is becomes more and more attractive. You know, if he rehabilitates the Saliba situation uh, instead of us selling him for pennies, um, he's either worth his 20 something million um, or we get 20 something million for him. Um, that pretty much pays for a change of manager, just mm-hmm. one player. If he fixes the Ganduzi situation. Now, I'm 50-50 on the Ganduzi thing. I'm like, I don't know enough to know either way. But a new manager, even if he was right on the Ganduzi thing, a new manager may be enough. Like, him and Emery hit it off. The next manager and him may hit it off. Doesn't matter who was right and wrong at that point. You know, we're not in the right and wrong business at the end of the day. Uh, just like f- football-wise, the coach isn't... He, I think the coach was in the culture business for a little while and then he need to transition to just being mostly in the, the football business. So a new manager, you know, however we get to uh, Genduzi's rehabilitated uh, and we get some actual money for him. You know, I could have lived with those two if everything else was going well footballistically. Ozil and Genduzi and we're on the path forward and yes, that's the price we pay, but it hasn't been the price we paid. There's them, 
there's the the you know uh, art Balogun is it, I I haven't really thought about it like this before, but Balogun's on Arteta more than the club. I know there were the negotiations were bad or whatever, but you can hear in Arteta's approach that uh, he did not consider him. And then he decided he should actually consider him a little bit. And he's given him five minutes and one mi- one minute, five minutes, 15 minutes. Why the fuck hasn't he got 35, 40, 45 minutes? Maybe they don't want to strengthen his hand too much this late in the game while they're negotiating contracts. But had Arteta been more responsive to the... It, 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 like, had he understood what he had with Balogun, maybe it'll turn out Balogun's a bust, but... You know, this is the game we're in. Mm. Had he understood what he had with Balogun, he would have worked him in a lot earlier and been part of his plans instead of saying very late in the game, you know, uh, he's shown me something and I'm, you know. So you can go down quite a few players and they'd be the players of the future, not the past, that you can make a case that a manager who rehabilitates all those situations will more than pay for the cost of letting him go and his staff and some squad turnover, let's be honest. That squad, there's the other case for a change in managers. That squad turnover has to happen regardless. So it really doesn't fucking matter. Um, and then on the other hand, who do you let spend the money? You probably want whoever you believe in going forward. So there's two, three arguments that line up on the, this is not a situation in which it's expensive to change manager. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with all that, Clive. I, I, I'm sure there's still meat on the bone for you to make your point. Um, and then I am going to uh, talk to you about home ownership because that's what you tune in for, Clive. <laughs> no, I think um, I, I did like what Tim said there about Kate McKay because um, coach doesn't play player that you like. It's, it's going to happen. Coaches just don't fancy certain players. You know, it doesn't make it sackable. Just make sure you win football matches, right? Or if you don't fancy certain players, that's the key thing. You know, a coach sees a player in a different way and just, and it's just going to happen. And it will always happen. It wasn't a player he signed. I don't know what the story is. It perplexes me more than many. It saddens me more than many because I always feel that Arsenal is a place where young players want to be, want to come. It's sort of the market I think we do quite well in. They get opportunities to play, unlike some of our so-called rivals, and we do play them in the first team. We don't learn them out for six years. We play them. And so I always think it's good. It's a good sort of brochure for us. So having a player like that come in with that reputation and feel, you can see how sad he looks about it. And I just, I, I've, I've looked at this in so many different ways. I just cannot find the answer. I cannot find the answer. I've heard all the rumours. I don't know the answer. I've looked at him. I've watched him. I watched him before he came. I watched him while he's here. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I don't know what to believe. So whether whether you play him or not, I don't think that's the issue per se. That's your choice as a professional that sees him every single day. What you can do is control the messaging around the whole topic. And that's why I think we've failed. And that's something that the club bothers me about. It bothers me about the club, sorry. We can send out the right messaging to say, this is a player we like. This is a player. And Ed has said a few things recently, but he's not resonating with me. Not when I see Kalashnik standing there like a child in a wall. He's not resonating with me. You know what I mean? It's just not. And so we need to, someone needs to sit back and say, and 
and just say clearly, this is what's happening to our £27 million investment. This is our plan for him. Don't tell us everything, but just tell us the details so we don't have this um, conspiracy theory discussion because it becomes bigger than what it is. And this is what we do, right? We don't control the messaging, so we allow ourselves to be vulnerable to to conspiracy theories, and it's uh, disappointing. Yeah, I mean, look, there is a time where you're filling in the gaps and in information with guesses. And a lot of times that's when we get things wrong. But there's also a time where, like, there's no information that you could fill the gap in with that makes something make sense. You know, it's funny, right? Like, having children, the one thing you see is, like, my five-year-old, as she starts to get older, like, they watch adults. And what do they do? They start copying the adults. But when a five-year-old copies an adult, they don't do it quite the same way. Do they, like, I wonder if... Arteta saw the way Pep handled the, the Leroy Sané situation, said that's how you handle a player you don't like, you just freeze him out, that's what you do. Well, at a club with infinite resources, maybe it's what you do. It's not what you do at Arsenal. But I mean, I get you, Clive. You know, there's lots of cases in world football of coach doesn't like player, coach doesn't use player. But not never, not zero appearances, not not registered for Europa, not in the League Cup, not in the league at all, not on a bench, not in a match day I squad. Say, I will say the Europa League thing, was a mistake and they admitted that that was a mistake because once he didn't go on loan that was the opportunity to play him um uh, and so that's a mistake on the club not registering him for that competition simple as that this is kind of his approach full stop if he has a problem with the player the player just isn't isn't in the team isn't near the team isn't coachable, isn't redeemable, is gone. Anyway, look, my homeownership thing real quick and then we'll move on to another question is when you buy a house with cash, if you buy a house with cash, not that I've done that, but if you do that, you don't have to get insurance on the house. You know why? It's your house. If it burns down, it's your problem. So, you know, seems fine. However, if you buy a house with a mortgage, you are required to have insurance. Do you know why you're required to have the insurance if you buy a house with a mortgage? Because you don't own the house. The bank does. You're just occupying it while you pay it off. And the fact of the matter is, Arteta doesn't own the squad. He doesn't own the club. The club has to have insurance because if he destroys the assets, the club is the one that suffers, not the coach. The coach gets his check regardless. So someone has to be the insurance. There's got to be insurance. And I I mean, what we're seeing with Adu is there's just no instinct to say, stop this. This is ridiculous. There's no knowledge. There's no understanding of how to do it. And I, you know, I think that is the problem. Uh, Tim, let me ask you this. This comes from Dom Macca, at Dom Macca. When do KSE panic? I think the real clear question here is what's happening with KSE, right? Because like, mm. like whatever. They're quiet. Yeah, they're awfully quiet. What, you know, whatever issues I have with Arteta, I certainly think he's been put in a bad position bad situation and maybe handled a bad situation badly because he's you know he's a young guy in his first job i certainly feel the same way about adu but the issue with kse is not spending it's oversight so when do kse panic when do we see them interject themselves into this situation yeah it's an interesting one isn't it because we thought that that was what was happening when josh started showing up Mm -hmm. you know more than like on a quarterly basis and we were told that he had an office at london colney and and everything like that and again that's all gone really quiet which i accept doesn't necessarily mean it's not happening and maybe it's more difficult because of the pandemic and transatlantic travel is not a cakewalk at the moment but it's, it's all very quiet isn't it um we haven't we haven't heard a lot from josh and stan and so again it comes down to that 
He can probably afford a private flight. I mean, he can okay. get here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure it's easier for him than it is for, for most of us plebs. Um, so, and, and it's all gone very quiet, hasn't it? And like, it, I mean, if um, Usmanov was still on the board, how many fucking statements would he have had by now? Um, you know, he'd he'd have he'd have a weekly column, I think, on the Arsenal website. I miss him. Um, <laughs> I forgot <laughs> with what's going on at the moment. I almost feel like Özil has jumped into Usmanov's kind of. I'm going to pipe <laughs> up when things are really bad and make everyone really think I'm the guy to save them. Um, I I mean. I don't know is the short answer to that. I was speculating the other day that I wouldn't be surprised. Like I, I've um, for a long time just thought that the Cronkies are never going to sell, like never, unless they get an absolutely absurd offer. Um, I actually, here's a prediction. I think they'll sell in the next three years. And the reason I think they'll sell is, is not so much because of the, the stadium stuff that they've got going on. Um, across the pond i think it's i think it's precisely because i think they're going to do like what randy lerner did at villa when randy lerner you know he turned up he put a bit of money into villa they started challenging for the champions league places and he thought here we go this is all right and then everyone else started doing it and he thought oh fucking hell this is really hard work and i think that's why the cronkies are going to sell um Mm. in the next couple of years because i think they thought that they could just have this as part of their portfolio, but they may be slowly realizing that this requires a lot more work than they're willing to do. And where they came over thinking, if we do nothing, Arsenal will finish in the top four. Uh, nope. And then it became, well, they'll probably be, you know, part of the big six. Nope. If you do nothing, all of a sudden, the question of relegation starts to starts to rear its head. Like, if you do nothing, you could get relegated. It's kind of unlikely, but it could happen. And you definitely won't be getting in the Europa League spots. So, you know, you've got to work for your money now if you own a football club um, in England. It's not enough to sit on it and hope that Arsene Wenger does everything for you um, or Ivan Gazidis does everything for you. It, like it requires your full-time attention and that's why i think that they might sell in the mm. next couple of years I, I don't think they'll sell at the moment pandemic market and all of that um but as to the point you know when do they panic i mean have do they know what's happening <laughs> i don't know how often they talk to edu i don't know how often they talk to Mikel arteta like the thing is with gazidis right gazidis was at least their guy Gazidis was someone they appointed that they knew. Edu isn't. Edu isn't here because of KSE. Edu is here. Let's be honest. It's like they couldn't get Monchi, and they were like, right, let's um, let's uh, let let's just go for like the ex the, the club legend. That will keep everyone happy. English football fans are stupid. They love that. And um, and you know we had all the talk about Henri being the manager um and stuff like that. So like I I I just don't know. I just don't know. I don't know that they've got the energy or the resource to put what needs to be put into Arsenal with all of the other things that they've got, they've got going on. So, um, you know, and it's been, you know, Raul Sanier, he's been gone nearly six months now, no replacement. So we're about to go into another transfer window shorthanded to Paul's point about bandwidth. We're still shorthanded and we've lost the contracts guy. Um, and we, we apparently don't need scouts. So, yeah, so that, that'll yeah. streamline us. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think bandwidth's going to be worse than it was during the summer in a shorter window with nobody wanting to, you know, Precisely. scrambling to find players out there and and our bigger challenge getting rid of players. So 
Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't sound like there's been a lot of urgency to replace those very important roles to do some of this very important work. So, and we've not heard from them. And, you know, in, in my mind, like Stan Kroenke tuned out on August the 1st when we won the FA Cup and he was like, oh, I'll check back in six months. You know, that meme about um, the, the guy walking in with the pizza box and the, the apartment's on fire. Um, you know, that's <laughs> that's that's going to be like Stan and Josh when they when they do like the January checking call and they go, where, where are we in the league? Oh, fuck. Um, so, so, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong and they're doing a lot of things on the quiet, but I, I don't get that sense from them. And I don't get a great sense of urgency, which, which is why I think they're going to sell in a couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit, The Athletic did a pretty in-depth article on KSE and their ownership. And, uh, you know, I mean, it let's be honest because it was there was a lot of access granted it had a bit of a i'd say a positive tone about it it certainly wanted to make the argument that these guys are involved and that they are objectively uh interested in arsenal that other than the rams arsenal are their priority and you know that they that they're plugged into what's happening and you know it just feels like there's no there's no indication of that um let me all right, Paul. Let me ask you when I've got a I've got a transfer one for you, Clive, coming up because it's sort of scouting related, and I know you like that. So this is a hard one. Luke at uh, Petit's ponytail one. Yeah. Is, is Pepe any better than Gervinho? Pepe six goals, six assists, and forty Premier League appearances. Gervinho nine goals, nine assists, and forty six Premier League appearances. Wishing you all happy holiday season. I realize that Gervinho is sort of a triggering topic, but. Tricky sort of pacey winger who didn't seem to sort his feet out in the final third and didn't always make the best decisions, but flashed some quality, is starting to feel like a pretty good comp. How do you feel about that comp and, and Pepe generally? Um, So, like... Hair, hairlines aside, is, is, is there, a, yeah. is there a, a reasonable comparison to be made there? Well, I, I think the thing is, we at this stage, we know... Gervinho, if, if we're reasonable, you, you can say what level Gervinho is, right? Um, we didn't get the best out of him. We didn't maybe fully understand him, particularly as fans uh, did not know. And, and the manager maybe didn't uh, put him in the best situation to to shine his talents. But we kind of knew where he, where he was and his ability range he trades in. Pepe, to me, is a much better player when used the way Pepe should be used and not in a rigid system in which it's about positions and, and, and all your off the ball stuff. Um, Pepe's still a great player. He's not, a, he's not 72 million pound Pepe, Pepe, but he might be 42 to 52 million pound Pepe. If you give him a season or two where he tears it up in a system that works for him. I mean, Party's a pretty good counter, uh, 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 CMDM on the right side for a counter-attacking team, Atletico Madrid. Um, pair him up with Pepe and put some players around them where we lean into a little bit more counter-attacking, a little more support, Bellerin overlapping Pepe. You see a whole new Pepe when he's got support. When he doesn't have support, he does that thing where he decides, I'm going to beat not one, not two, not three, but four players get my shot off uh, uh, Arian Robbins style uh, when I cut inside or, or some other things. But he's a really good fucking player. He's just not a super sophisticated uh, 
positional, tactical schema, adapting with, you know, he's in his own little bubble. You can just see it. He's in his own little world. He's not going to uh, adapt to a whole new system. And so I'd put him right in with the, um, the Saliba conversation of reasons how you can build an ROI for a change of manager and somebody coming in to have a second look at him, right? You add him, Ginduzi, Saliba. Uh, we might end up getting Torreira back uh, in the near future. You got to, I haven't done the math on it, but you got maybe 150 million worth of players that have been rendered worth almost nothing to us. That makes a very good case for having a flexible manager who can get a new manager bounce and have a new look at how the existing players are being used. And so to come back to the original question, Pepe can be worth a shitload more to us than Gervinho uh, ever was uh, with the right manager, asset value-wise and in terms of player capabilities if used in the right system. I mean, he... Uh, his team, Lille, came second in Liga, and they, it wasn't a one-off. They had, they're still having a hell of a season uh, this year. They were, I don't know where they are at the moment, but they were top of their league before things went tits up for them. Um, so there's some real pedigree there. He's he's proven his point over a season and a half at Lille that uh, he was the star. He was the guy they that. He was their attack. I mean, they they two, three other players that were significant contributors in their attacking movements, but it was built around uh, the threat of Pepe's side. That's how they went at teams, and teams couldn't stop them even though they knew Pepe was the guy. You ju- just don't stick him up on the right-hand corner with no support, no midfield, no number 10, and no overlapping fullback and say, all right, now we can measure Pepe. Pepe's at the mo- under Arteta, Pepe is probably never going to amount too much to us because he's mm. not the player he's looking for. Yeah, the, the thing I would say that I don't like about the comp with Gervinho is the one thing, Gervinho could never manipulate a football the way Pepe can in the sense of striking it. Like, Gervinho couldn't kick a football. It was the weirdest thing. Like, he could not kick the football. Um, His best shot was a toe poke. And 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 against and against which Bradford, is, which, Brad, Bradford, Brad, yeah. Bradford, Brad. What's the miss in the FA Cup? Bradford. I can't even think of yeah, the club. I think so. Well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think um, that was the one. The big miss. Anyway, Clive, um, Jamie Miles on Facebook asks, "Yes, Facebook, I see you. <laughs> Would you rather we bought a player of Emmy Bandia's quality in January?" if it meant we were unable to go after an elite creative midfielder in the summer. Now, obviously, there's a presumption there that Buendia isn't an elite creative midfielder, and you may disagree, but I think the point stands. Would you go for a Buendia in January if we can get him, if it meant we don't address creative midfield in January with potentially a player that you might rate more highly? Mm, I'm not too sure. Um, By the way, um, I think um, Pepe's a finisher, whereas is more of a progressor. Totally That's a big difference, I think. Um, so, um, what was I going to say? Bendia, I've, I've, had a look, I've had a good look at him, actually. Um, I've had this little theory recently that we are, we're snobs as Arsenal fans. We don't like looking at players within our own, within our own country, per se, or in their own league. I don't think we really respect the value of having somebody in the team that's actually played in another club and in the league and could settle much quicker. We tend to look outside for more exotic names 
and then wait two years for them to settle down, then we sell them for a tenth of the price. <laughs> so, um, so I, I've looked at Ben Diaz, and he's a he's a right-sided midfielder that's quite bouncy. He he tend to play with Max Aaron a lot at Norwich, young kid that's grew up in my area, so I know that I know him quite well. And they support each other really well. Max Aaron goes on the outside. He comes on the inside, much like Southampton did with Theo Walcott the other day. And push him inside, and he plays in that right half space. And he's quite nice. Receives it. He's got a bit of weight to his lower body. And he bounces around the corner. I quite like him. I'm just not sure if he's absolute quality. I'm I'm, I'm generally not sure. I do like, if you are going to gamble on somebody, I do like his skill sets because he can receive it. He can turn around Saka Smith Road style. And he's more experienced than him. He's got more goals. He's got more creative numbers. So, yes, looks quite nice. Now, when you say elite creator, who are you talking about? You know, are you talking about Awar? Right? So, Awar, again, is the sexy name from abroad. We think he's good. We don't really know. You know, we don't really know who, you know, how good he really is. This is the dilemma for us in the moment. We know we need that creativity. We know we need those carriers. We know we need that link. People who can just take it and just carry and commit people and then create space. But who are they? Who do we really think is elite? Who do you really think is going to become an art, come to Arsenal? So I quite like Brendan, actually. I quite like him. Norwich are a good club. We, we can easily loan them some youngsters. We've got a young centre forward that's not playing. That's 18 years of age, 19 years of age. He would do wonders for them, get them up the league. So it's the sort of club we used to have a partnership with. They got some really good young talent, and um, so yeah, I'm not against him at all. I think he has a lot. I think sometimes as fans, we need to start looking around and thinking, well, don't be such a snob about players that have actually done things in our league. The guys on, and I look at YouTube a lot to see young, to see players all different types. I get excited about them. But one thing I always forget is it takes us it takes a while to adapt, and we don't need adapter at the moment. We need people who are ready made, much like William. Mm. Can, I, can I ask you? I mean, do you? How do you react to my sort of hysterical, typically hysterical statement that this group shouldn't be given one pound to spend in January? I mean, I know, I know when I say it, it sounds hysterical, but I actually mean it, and I mean it. My, my rational argument here is: if you don't trust the structure, if the structure is making bad choices choices that destroy assets and 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 capital you know and, and the, the ability to fix the problem how can you seriously hand them more money to spend right now when you have so little confidence in them i mean do you think that i'm being ridiculous but, but do you that we, maintain we have that view elliot even with this rumbling just above the relegation zone Yes, I would not spend one pound. I mean, the one good thing about data, and look, I know people don't love data talk, but like, you know, Scott Scott and I did a big stat section. Like, statistically speaking, we are extremely unlikely to go down. And I think if we sack the manager, we're even less likely. And I think if a new manager came in and maybe brought back in some of the players who were frozen out. um, Vicious cycles, though. When things go down, they keep going down. We're not going down. We're not going down. I mean, I, I, I realize why it's hysteria, and I do think we could be in the relegation zone by the middle of January, but I still don't think we'll go down. Um, I think when Party comes back, first of all, I think he's an extremely talented player. Uh, I think Aubameyang is still a talented enough player. I think if a new manager came in, uh, there's enough talent and experience to keep us up because I think there's enough garbage at the bottom of the league. So for me, I wouldn't spend to keep us up, especially because, like, what are you going to buy that definitely keeps us up? 
you better be sure it's someone you really want long term. I, I mean, Clive, just to finish the thought, I mean, putting relegation out of the consideration. If I could tell you right now we would finish 17th, guaranteed nailed on, would you want them to spend any money in January? No. So at the moment, we've got little or zero trust in the management decisions. But well, the reason why they're even less than zero is because of where we are in the, in the league, right? So if you look at the last five years, and I've mentioned it before, but 7am kickoff did a good article. And actually, I looked at the last window. And it's one of our better windows. right? And, uh, it depends what and, you consider... I mean, yeah, I, we can take I issue know. with that we another know, time, but okay. And yeah. we know we know the score with the the old head of football, right? So we yep. know all about that, and we know the score with the agent. But then we've got a couple of players in there that are absolutely stellar, right? Absolutely stellar. So it's been one of the best windows for a while. And so you can say, well, actually, that's good. We can, maybe they, they do know what they're doing. But then I said to you the other day, you know, I'm, you know, I've got a vi- I've got a vision. And I think I'm trying to you know, project where they are. They want to have a, a more controlling game into a 4-3-3. And, they, and then I see things and decisions which don't really match that. I saw something today about, I guess it's just a rumour, about Eric Garcia at Man City. That's not the answer. That is not the answer by another 5 foot 10, 10 and a half. That is not the answer. I look at Rob Holding, that is not the answer. I look at Gabriel, I look at Saliba's profile, I think that's the answer. Can I get another one like that, please? Another two like that, then we can be who we want to be. Now, don't worry if Bellerin's up corner flag. It doesn't really matter. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. You need to have it correct. You need to have players in your structure that allow other players to be themselves. It's as simple as that. So, so my trust index is not high. But then if you look at the last four or five years, the last later latter window wasn't too bad. And so I do think we need to add but we also need to sell, as you well know. And selling in this market is not easy. But I definitely think we need to add something from... And I would generally, I would add... If you said to me, Clive, give me two signings. Just two signings. I would add the guy at Brighton, Basuma. And I would I would probably... Can I have three? How do you, how do you distinguish... <laughs> I, well, let me, can I poke a hole in that? How do you distinguish... Like, we... Mm-hmm. we, we we made our move. We spent the fifty million on on party. So, how do you distinguish between Basuma and Party? I mean, well, you see, the thing is, right? It they play similar roles, don't they? Or no? I was having a good discussion with with Lewis actually and 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 Jane on Discord about this. It's about what you and Murphy to be. And I look at it as long as like two two circles, two like a, like a polo me. Right? You have your interior, you have your exterior, and your interior for me. What's it, what do you want it to be? Do you want it to be your brain? Do you, want, do you want it to control your team? Do you want, for me, your interior should be, I want to suppress shots going back to my own box. I want to allow shots going into their box. So I need people who can stop shots against us, but also connect to the front line so we have shots. And if you look at Liverpool's <coughs> midfield, it's all about shot suppression. And the creativity comes from the outside. And they allow their front men to be their front men. But do we want to do that? And I quite like, and funny enough, that Liverpool are looking at Basuma. When Wijnaldum goes, guess what? Can you imagine getting through that midfield? No chance. They've still got Fernandinho in there. Well, that's the wrong name, isn't it? Fabinho, sorry. They've still got Fabinho in there. They've still got Henderson in there. And Basuma. Try going through that. It's like going through, like going through a minefield. You've got no chance. The people say, oh, we've got party ready. No, I want them both. I want them both. Because then I'm saying, no one's coming through here. And both these people can carry. Right? It comes back to your identity, where you want to play. 
then your centre halves can split, then your fullbacks can disappear. Mm. Then people start to look strong. We want to decide what we want to be. Don't just pick these names. So I look at Basuma, I think in my ideal, I want Basuma party and maybe somebody who's a more of a progressive carrier, like a Buendia or an Awar. Right. Then you have the three of them, you think, hey, we're in business here. Because if party is injured, Basuma can play the base role, we can bring in the Smith row. Do you see what I mean? Then you can start to develop people. You create long poles in the tent that allow your players that are not quite developed yet to develop. And you have people there that can do the job, control the space, stop shots against you, and create shots for you. Now, another theory I have, I know we're talking, I'm going on a little bit, but I actually think we need a target man center forward. I don't think we're good at build-up. We'll create a target. Create the, the biggest issue we have is that central pivot, pivot up front, mm. one of the issues we have. We, the reason why we tried Willian there, Willock there, Abamyang there, Lacazette there, because we've got nobody who wants to do it. Abamyang is not an alpha. He's not a line leader. He's a light, He's a scorer. He's an exclamation point. He steals money from your pocket. But you need to do it when you can't see him coming. Yeah? Do you see what I mean? So we need mm. somebody who can stand there, take the blows, <laughs> connect, and that gives us a confidence, the offensive confidence in build-up. Dominic Calvin lures. Oh, he's my dream. Calvary he's dream. Yeah. Yeah. He's ugly on the ball, but my God, in contact, first ball, turn around in the box, in the air. Oh, my God, he's unbelievable. And he can run the channels as well. And he's not super smooth. You see him in certain areas around the edges. He's not great on the ball, but on the jobs he does well. He does it exceptionally well. And you need somebody like that to play off in this modern game. Tens have gone. CDMs have killed zone 14. So you need a man in that space. Giro might be available in the window. Well, you know, you know, that's the type of thing you need for six months. Tens have gone, zone 14 killers, CDMs everywhere, like your parties, like your Basuma. If you go in there, you get killed, but you need a man in there that can go behind the CDM, that can pin centre-backs, and you build from that situation. And it's just a trend of football. And um, so, yeah, so <laughs> I'm not sure what the question was now, Elliot, but for me, I'm I'm for that type of thought process going forward. I mean, real, real quick, because it was, would you would you go for, for well, my, my question was, would you let them spend in January? Would you do Buendia for 25? I mean, not they were getting Buendia for 25, but if it was Buendia for 25 in January or, or a war for 40 in the summer, would you wait for a war? Um, I, I don't, not sure. I, I'm not sure there's that much difference. I'm honest with you. Mm. I'm not sure it's that much different. And it comes back to our thought process. We immediately think of ours better. Why is he better? Mm. Why is he better? I mean, I, I, I only know Awar from the scouting video we did, and I think he looks great. I don't. I mean, I've seen Emmy Buendia play, and I think he's pretty good. But I, I have to admit to not. It's slightly different players. Look, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a professional there. scout. Some someone's got to decide based on their 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 data, their age, their their you know their looking at the video, looking at the tape, say, you know, which is the better player and which is the better value. But I, I don't know what the answer is, you know, because I'm not against both of them, to be honest. I'm not against both of them, but I was more for left, but Diaz plays more from the right, the right eight type position. He does play right wing for Norwich a little bit in a 4 one um, So yeah, I, I'd like them both. It's those types that we, that I'd like to see come, but don't dismiss the fact that we've got no center forward of any, of any state, I think it's a big part of why we're struggling at the moment. 
Yeah. Well, let's finish with this. I mean, it's a pretty straightforward one. By the way, a lot of questions from a lot of different people. So I'll just address it really quickly. Uh, people saying, Elliot, do you have a, do you want to take back your opinion of the, the two fridges argument that the backup keeper doesn't matter, having seen how bad Runerson is? And, and just quickly, like, I get a lot of things wrong, and I'm happy to say, yep, wrong about that. I still hold that your backup keeper is not an area you spend big on, and it's not an area you should prioritize. And I mean, I think if you look up and down the league, Liverpool's backup keeper was free. Chelsea's backup keeper was five million pounds. City's backup or six million pounds. City's backup keeper was five million pounds. Um, United's backup keeper, like a million, not much. I can't remember. Uh, can't tell you who Spurs' backup keeper is, candidly. Um, but you know, I mean, you go up and down the league. Name me a good backup keeper. Hell, our backup keeper last year, Emmy Martinez was a guy we didn't really rate and had around the club for ages, gave him a chance, and turned out he actually excelled, and we made good money selling him. You, you want that stuff to happen. The issue for me isn't that you should have a great backup keeper and spend big on it. The issue for me is just because I think backup keeper is not that important and you shouldn't devote resources to it doesn't mean you go out and pay me to do it. You don't say, because it's a low-priority position, let's get the worst player in all of world football Dijon's goalkeeper who lost his Dijon job six months into it in the second division of French football. Like you can get free older guys or cheap older guys who can just hold down the position without having to do that. So, I mean, in a way, it, it, it's in keeping with all the decision-making that's happened at the club in my mind, which is the easiest layup in football, in squad building, is to go get some grizzled old veteran guy to be your backup keeper who can do a job if he has to. Layup. Easy. And we couldn't even get that right. We spent 900,000 pounds on the worst goalkeeper in world football who everybody knew sucked. So I would actually argue that my point stands that most clubs don't really address backup keeper very aggressively. They do it easily and cheaply. And we couldn't even get that layup right, which, you know, God, it, it's just it's just another brick in the wall. Uh, we'll finish with this, Tim. Nick James 01. Uh, Nick James at Nick James 01. Other than win games, of course. What's your five-point to-do list in January? What What are the things... I mean, if it's not five points, if it's three points, you know, however how many points you want to do, a thousand points of light, if it needs to be. Uh, but Tim, what what are the things that for you are your non-negotiables in January other than win games? Yeah, so... Um like sort out the executive branch of the club please like no rush or anything but like should we should we get some staff who you know like enough staff to maybe sort out a loan move um to a friend like you know just enough staff to get stuff done would be nice um that probably would have been nice in october or november to be honest but you know no no rush guys um um so i i mean i'm guessing in in this is also in terms of like what happens in the January transfer window. I mean, selling, I think, or, or, I mean, we might not be in a position to sell, but getting shot of some of those, um, some of the squatters in our squad. If, if Arteta, like, I think the whole non-negotiables thing has died a death, to be honest. I think Arteta's killed it with, um, with, uh, you know, the constant playing of Willian, Kolasinac and Mustafi, swallowing up minutes in the Carabao Cup and the Europa League. But I, I think he's killed his own, um, you know, his own brand there. He he could get it back, I think, by getting rid of some of those guys. And, you know, to Paul's fig leaf point saying, OK, I gave you some fairly non-consequential games and you all fucked up. See you later. Um, or even if you can't get shot of them, m- maybe those are the guys you sideline and don't play again. 
but in terms of um, what I think we need in January, I, I'm i not sure I'm quite at the don't spend a dime um, in January. I, I definitely, like, I don't want the Ericsson, Isco, no, don't do any of that. Like, we're, we're beyond that now. We've done that too many times, and it just leads to doing it more and more often. Um, I, I think, like, for example, if, like, our came up again, or, or, or our, um, like, that, that's kind of fine because you clearly wanted you wanted that player in the summer. That is a long term target. Like I'm not I'm not suggesting we can or will do that, but if you can do something like that, do it. Um, I know he's kind of his relationship with Leon is um, is fading, um, but then again, looking at Arsenal this season, I'm sure his interest in joining Arsenal is probably fading with it. Mm. Um, so so like I I think a creative player if we can get one, Buendia for me, quitter. Um, absolute quitter. He he was dropped by Norwich um, for the last stretch. This is an Argentina Brazil thing. Season. Be honest. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. He he was Daniel Fark dropped him um, because when the going got tough in the relegation battle, didn't want to know. Um, have a have a look at his red card with uh, was it four games to go? Just co- coincidentally got himself a nice three match ban for the end of uh, end of the season. That that's why no one bought him. Um, because he's a sunshine player. We've got too many of those. I, unfortunately, I think talent-wise, you know, it fit, fits a profile, um, not least because, he, like Clive says, he kind of plays from the right, and I think we're missing that piece from the right. We have Saka as that spare man on the left. We don't have the equivalent on the right, so we're asking, like, Bellerin and Pepe to do too much. Um, but no, not not Buendia. Um, not interested in that, personally. Um I mean, so I'm not. I, I don't think that's quite five things. Um, maybe we want to revisit the goalkeeper thing if we, if we can. Um, I, you know, my, my feel with Renarsson was always that they want to go back for the Brentford goalkeeper, um, and and you know maybe that's something we can revisit in January. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, t- to be honest, I think really the the playing squad. Get the creative player if we can. I'm not. I'm not. I, I can't really think of that many other positions that I would consider an absolute immediate priority that can't just form part of the bigger rebuild in the summer. But creative player, sort out the executive branch, get those appointments made asap. Um, you've already fucked up the January window by not doing it in time for that. Has to, has to, has to be done. Not just by the summer, ahead of the summer, so we can start planning now for what we're doing in the summer. Um, and can I add a point, or did you yeah, have another it. one? Go for it. No, no, go uh, for it. Just a quick one on the fig leaf. So you covered kind of half of it, which is uh, I think if he's going to turn things around, he needs to make a clear statement of, "Hey, that was an interesting start to the campaign. Now we pivot. What do we pivot mm-hmm. to?" We lean, get Balogun signed up, rehabilitate Saliba, um, pull them back into the fold, state, he doesn't have to do a, I got everything wrong and this is a 180 degree turn, but clearly signal pivoting to uh, using the next six months to chart a different course. We're going to lean into our young players. We're not going to start them every game. But we're going to go to having the bench stacked with these young guys and they're going to get serious minutes in games, not two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. And we pivot from the people we're just sick of seeing coming on the pitch. He can still use some of them. 
He can still rely on experience, but a much, much better mix where it's very clear what the plan is and pivot to youth. He doesn't have to start youth all the time because that it's not fair to put this shit on them either. But mm. just a much, much clearer plan that the the blend of youth and that a signal that certain players he doesn't have to get rid of every player we now load seeing coming on the pitch but he probably needs to make a statement on a couple of them and a couple of them that we've seen a lot of we need to see just a little of and he just needs to clearly state uh that we are pivoting to we're going to get rid of that which you are sick of seeing and give you that more and more as they progress we're not going to drop them in it we're not going to make it all their problem, but they are going to become part of the solution. And if you get nothing out of this for the rest of the, this six months, Arsenal supporters, you will see us leaning in to the future, not the past. Yeah, definitely. I, and, mm, and Sorry, go ahead, Tim. You know, like Mustafi's agent is just saying, yeah, we're meeting with Barcelona and all of that. Like I said, if, if Arteta want, like, I think he's blown his non-negotiable stuff up. He, he can get it back. And, you know, someone like Mustafi, if the, if he wants to make an example of someone and do that, I'm going to take out, not the biggest guy in the room, but someone in front of everyone. That Mustafi, he's going in six months. All Everyone hates him. Like, well, not hates him, but none of the fans want to see him again. He's really unpopular. His agent is sitting there going, ha we're going to go to Barcelona. Yeah. And Arteta th- needs to say guy. he has clear negotiables. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that is the guy you go, okay, you, you go and talk to Barcelona, fuck off, I'll put someone else in, you're going to get the Socrates treatment, sit out the last six months of your contract, um, you know, good luck negotiating a nice contract with uh, Barcelona or whoever else on the back of that, you know, like, like try and win some of these non-negotiables back, Smith Rowe is going to be fitter now, like I'm not saying, like you to your point Paul, I'm not saying start him every week, like, but you know, give him 20, 30 minutes off the bench. You you can see that he's got something that, that like none of our other players have. And, and, and I think not only would the fans be okay with that, I think the fans were already all right with that. And that's what they thought Arteta was going to do. And I think the club Amen. were all right with that. I think that's what we all assumed was going to happen this season. And I think everyone was behind that. And so then what's changed, him? What changed in your I opinion? Don't know. Why he's didn't just, it happen? He, he's acted like a man in a massive, massive rush. And maybe it's the messaging from on high. Maybe they said, no, you've got to get, you, you've got to get back in the Champions League this year. And maybe he thought, oh, shit, well, I, I can't do it this year. With You know, I, I don't know. But I feel like he already had that buy-in and he's, yep. he's basically destroyed it. And I don't think right. anything changed. I mean, it, from the get-go, I mean, he started with Gabriel a lot and trailed down to not much Gabriel and then uh, Martinelli, that is, and then he got injured. Saka, you know, I mean, uh, there's very he tried a few players, but it was clear he always liked experience right from the get-go. I think um, I think he wanted to do some of this stuff. I just don't think they did for whatever reason. The club didn't move quickly enough. They would they accepted too. They wanted too much money for certain players. They should have realised it's important to get rid of them, even if you lost a two, three million here and there. Get rid of them, create room in your squad so you can at least name all of your professionals in your squad. And that's how bad it was. There, we there's, there's, so... there's value you can torch. Torch Mustafi's fucking next contract. Right. That that is that is flammable in my eyes. Don't yeah. torch Saliba. Like 
take you know take like 20k a week off of Mustafi. like that is what Mustafi is that's his future right it's his next contract and he's in his quote-unquote prime years torch that that is something yeah. that you can torch right and you'll have everyone's support you, you know these what, players played us they played us well beautifully. wait wait some of those players played so us did the coach, coach played himself though can i just ask a question i'll ask this to you tim and, and and if you guys want to weigh in on this we can wrap up but like if you are a coach who needs some short-term solutions and some long-term solutions you have to work within the resources that the club has, and you have to make decisions that are good for the long term of the club, or someone has to. And I guess what I'm saying is, I think Arteta has been a guy all along who wants to win with his guys, and he doesn't want to win with anyone else. And the, what I point to as an example is the Mkhitaryan-Willian situation. Henrik Mkhitaryan is not some spectacular player who's going to fix all our problems, but he's usable. He's got talent in the attacking half. He can be creative. He can score goals. He was under contract at Arsenal. We could have used him for a year and let him go and been out from under that, and he's a short-term fix. We sent him away and brought in Willian, an older, less effective player on a long-term deal. So to me, this is stubbornness. Uh, You see what I'm saying? Like, Tim, if what you want is a senior player who has some final third capabilities, creativity, goal scoring, experience, why not use the one-year younger, shorter contract guy you're already paying for instead of paying more, longer, for an older player? And to me, it speaks to Arteta wanting his guys. He wants to win with his guys. He wants his, his group instead of saying, I've got assets here that I have to be mindful of, and Mkhitaryan's one of them, and I'll make use of him in the short term. Can, can you explain that to me? Because the, the Mkhitaryan thing seems like the perfect short-term fix to do what William was brought in to do, except now he's on a long-term deal. Yeah, uh, maybe it's just to do with Arteta being a young coach. And, and what we're seeing, we spoke about this on a pod recently, that he's he's quite concerned about, I guess, his image, um, for, for want of a better word. And, and maybe this is just him as a younger coach, just thinking, right, I've got to stamp my authority over this. I've got to step out of Guardiola's shadow and I've got to show that I'm like I'm my own man. And, and maybe he's just tried to like... What's that saying about um, using a sledgehammer to crack a walnut? Mm. And and maybe he's done that. And to an extent, that that would be under, an understandable mistake for someone with no manager managerial experience to make. But I feel like he's doubling down um, on some of that at the moment. I, I you know I I get that. I do get that from his point of view that he wanted. You know, everyone was expecting him to be the bright young thing in coaching and under you know under Pep's wing, and he wanted to come out and make a name for himself and. And 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 I guess that's that's kind of it. But um, yeah, I, I, but but you're quite right. Like it's maybe he's just kind of misread the room, or maybe not quite appreciate appreciated the difference between Manchester City and Arsenal. I think there's some of that. Yeah, look, I mean, maybe the message here is just never trust a coach whose hair is that perfect because maybe his priorities are are not right. I'm kidding. Um, you did lead to something, Tim. As we say goodbye here, that I will just mention is I think a reason we probably have to sack Arteta. Arsenal are a big enough club in a big enough city with big enough wage resources to still be able to recruit some decent players this summer. But if we finish 15th or 14th and we keep Arteta, how do you convince a player that they're coming into something different? You you know, that's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to watch Arteta drag the team to 14th and with all the wars he's gone into with some of of his players and convince a player this summer, no, 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 it's going to be fine next season. If you change the coach and the trajectory turns up a little bit and the coach doesn't have a lot of negativity connected to him and the players, you could convince that signing, no, we, we made the change, things are on the up, you're coming to the right place. I think... Unless Arteta, you know, totally snaps back and we wind up in eighth or seventh or something and 
all the players are bought in, unless it's a massive turnaround under Arteta. I just think recruitment this summer to convince people to join this project with this guy is going to be very difficult. So something to think about. I think we should leave it there. Um, and uh, we will certainly just have more podcasts and more Patreon stuff uh, with all the games coming up. So uh, if you do want to sign up for our Patreon, we'd love to have you over there. But either way, we're just thrilled that you're here. I wish you a very Merry Christmas, very Happy New Year, very festive season, uh, and just a good life because life can be hard and hopefully your life is is good. And you know what? Uh, being together is is what makes Arsenal fun, not necessarily the football, but that's okay. Tim's on Twitter. Stubborn, thanks, Tim. My pleasure as always. Clive's on Twitter. Clive PFC. Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. Paul's on Twitter. Paul's on my pants. Thanks, Paul. Woo-hoo. My name is Alex Smith, the Blackman Twitter. Yankee Gunner gives a five-star review. Write nasty things about everyone. Uh, no, you know what? Tis the season. Write nice things. Um, Scott will be on in a future pod uh, and, and was just on in the last pod. So that's good. And, and we love him and wish him a Merry Christmas as well to him and his family. To you and yours, wish you the best. And uh, what could be better than a Boxing Day win over Chelsea? So we love you. And we'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Chelsea, no.